0: and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about a key lesson I learned from Ian Thomas about the mystery of godliness. Let's dive in. Well, if you go back through the archives of this podcast, or if you look at the Deeper Christian website, or if you just listen to me speak, you'll notice that I have a great affinity and love for Major Ian Thomas. Now, Major Ian Thomas died a couple of decades ago, and I really wish I could have met him before he died. He's one of those men of God who just proclaim the realities of Jesus Christ in a very simplistic but profound way. And he's had a tremendous impact on my spiritual life, both through his books, but also through his teachings and his sermons and, and just the resources that I've been able to get my hands on. Well, last night, I got to lead a book discussion on one of Ian Thomas's books. And for our alumni network for Ellerslie, one of the things that we do every month is read a book together, and then we just kind of discuss and talk about the things that impacted us and what God is pressing us in our personal spiritual lives. Well, last night, we were talking about Major Ian Thomas's book, The Mystery of Godliness. Now, The Mystery of Godliness, I had read years ago, and it is one of those books that has greatly impacted even what I teach and what I proclaim. Just as illustrations about the reality of godliness and what does it mean for Christ, who is God himself, to come as a man, to function as a man, and actually die upon a cross so that the life that he lived is actually able now to indwell us. And I love it. I love how Ian Thomas says it. Basically, he says that the life that he lived qualified him for the death that he died so that the death that he died qualifies you For the life that he lived. (laughs) Now, I know that's quite a a mindful, but basically, what Ian Thomas says is because Jesus came and lived a perfect sinless life, it actually qualified him to die upon the cross for my sins. And that death that he died upon the cross actually allows me to live the life that he lived here on earth. Which is this idea of being filled with the Spirit of God, functioning and dwelt by and dependent upon the Spirit of God. Well, after last night, I was just kind of pondering the book afresh and was kind of coming away with some of my main takeaways from this book. And I just thought it'd be kind of fun on this podcast to share some of the lessons that I was learning from Ian Thomas afresh about this idea of the mystery of godliness. So what I like to do is I want to read you a couple of quotes from the book, but I also just want to kind of summarize the book in one statement. And if I was to take the entire book and put it into one phrase, the phrase would be, it takes God to be a man or a woman. <laughs> one of the key statements that Ian Thomas makes about the book is that it takes God to be a man. Man, that is, as God intended man to be. God created a man to be inhabited by God, God. And basically that is the premise of the whole book. Basically the idea is, is that how God created you and me is that we were made to be filled with the very life of God himself. In fact, that's what you see in Genesis. When God created Adam and Eve in his own image, he breathed into into them the spirit of life and they became a living being. Now, Ian Thomas flushes this out in an amazing way, but the concept is the way that you and I were made even from creation, was that we were made not just to do whatever we want. We weren't just made to mimic the life of Christ. We were meant to be inhabited by the life of Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit. That how is a man or a woman properly? How does a man or woman properly behave? Well, we actually cannot live the Christian life in our own ability. the The life that God has called us to as Christians is utterly, overwhelmingly impossible. In fact, at the very beginning of the book, Ian Thomas makes the statement. He says someone once said, "It is not difficult for a man to live the Christian life. It is a sheer impossibility, a sheer impossibility that is without Christ." But for all that he says, you have all that he is, and that is all that it takes. In other words, the life or the standard which God is calling us to as Christians we actually cannot, in our own ability, pull it off. In fact, one of the things the Old Testament proves is that the Old Testament law, which is this perfect standards of God's righteousness, no one can live up to that standard. And yet in the New Testament, Jesus takes that standard to a whole nother level. And if nobody in the Old Testament could live to that perfect standard, how much less are we able to live to the perfect standard of Jesus Christ? But isn't it an amazing thought that Jesus looked at John the Baptist And told his disciples that John the Baptist was, you know, maybe the greatest that the Old Testament produced and yet is going to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Because the reality is, is that you and I are to be filled with the very spirit of God. And what Jesus was doing on the cross wasn't just to forgive us of our sins. As William Law so adequately pointed out that the cross wasn't just for forgiveness. The cross was for the purpose of Pentecost. In other words, the reason Jesus died upon the cross, yes, was to forgive your sins and to die and to cover all of that sin and rebellion. But ultimately, the reason the sin and the rebellion is done away with is so that he could inhabit your very life through his spirit. In fact, that is the great promise of the Father that Jesus talks about all throughout the Gospels and comes to fruition in Acts chapter 2 with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And what is so funny in our modern culture today is is that in the church, we presume that if we, you know, live by a certain set of rules, or if we have a certain standard, or if we have certain actions, or if we do certain things, well, then we're living this great godly life. And reality, that's just actions. That's just duty and discipline. And oftentimes, it's merely legalism. See, what God is wanting to do in our life is something far beyond what the natural realm can even explain. See, we, in and of ourselves, cannot live the Christian life. Ian Thomas, in one of his other books, often makes the statement, he says, I can't, but God never said that I could, but he will, and he always said that he would. Isn't that a great thought? That when I look at the standard that God is calling me to, and I look within myself, what I find is that I actually cannot live out the standard. I don't have what it takes to live out the reality of the life that God is calling me to, and yet I can live this life out. I, I am able to function as a Christian. I am able to walk in triumph and victory. But how? Well, not because of me, not because of my resource or my talent or my ability. It's because of the life of Christ within me via the Holy Spirit. Ian Thomas says in the book, he says, The moment you come to realize that only God can make you godly, well, then you are left with no option but to find God, and to know God, and to let God be God in and through you. See, we in the church must come to realize that it's not our talent, it's not our wisdom, it's not our resource. We cannot pull this thing off. And when we try to produce the Christian life, it is all but filthy rags, as Isaiah would say. That, yeah, I can go through the motions and I can have the actions, but that actually doesn't produce life within me. What is the life? It's actually Jesus Christ Himself. He said, I am the life. That when we talk about eternal life, we're not just talking about this abstract concept of living forever. We're talking about the reality, this inside substance, which is Jesus Himself now indwelling your life through the Holy Spirit. And that changes everything. And I love how Ian Thomas says this. He says, The moment you begin to grab a hold of that idea, the moment you understand, that you can't, and it is only God who can make you godly, well, there then is no other option but then to run to him and grab a hold of him and to actually get to know him and allow him to be God in and through you. In other words, you are not called to be God. You you were called to allow God to be God in and through you. Now, just for clarity, Ian Thomas nor I am talking about passivity. We're not just talking about you do nothing and sit on a couch and, you know, eat your favorite candy bar and just kind of wait for a guy to pull you off the couch and cause you to do something. That's not what we're talking about at all. In fact, the Christian life is rather active, but it's a change of source. It's a change of focus rather than me being the one in control of my life. Now it is Jesus Christ who is in control of my life. And wouldn't it be amazing? And I've said this on this podcast several times, but wouldn't it be amazing if when someone looked at your life, the only explanation for your life was Jesus Christ. I actually got that originally from Ian Thomas. He says that over and over and over again through this book, The Mystery of Godliness. He says, true godliness leaves the world convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the only explanation for you is Jesus Christ. In other words, when someone looks at your life, they should understand that the essential ingredient for how you are living is not you, it's actually him. And yet almost all of our Christian life, if if we were to be truly honest, seems like we can explain our Christianity, we can explain our attitude, we can explain our thought process, we can explain our lives, well, in terms of us, our schooling, our effort, our ability, our talent, or our whatever. But what would it look like if we would allow God to do something so amazing in and through us that the only explanation for how we are living can actually never be pointed to us, all the credit goes to Jesus Christ. Now, there are countless examples throughout scripture on this. For example, look at David and Goliath. You realize that it doesn't matter. And I, we've heard this story so many times. So I think we've, it's kind of lost its luster. But when you actually look at it, we're talking about a kid who's probably 12, 13, 14 years old right? He's not big and strong going against this mammoth of a man. It is a sheer impossibility. And yet when David overtakes Goliath, all the people cry out, wow, this Jehovah is God, right? There is a God of Israel. You know, you look at Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And when the fire comes down from heaven and and takes the sacrifice, the people fall on their face and say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Gideon is another great example here's Gideon, he has this army and God shrinks it down to 300 people. So we have 300 people going up against well over 100,000. This is impossible. And yet they win. See, Gideon could not take the credit. He couldn't be like, well, you know, great masterful planning there, Gideon. See, Gideon did not have that opportunity. It was only, the only credit could go to Jesus Christ. And what an encouragement of What would what would happen if that was true of our life? That when people looked at you or me and they saw the love and they saw the joy and they saw the peace and they just saw the reality of how we are living, that they looked at how we talked and we they they could even get into our mind and saw our thought process. Wouldn't it be amazing if they just went, You're not normal? (laughs) That I don't know how to explain how you're living. It is it is not normal for someone to live like you are living. In fact, are you a Christian? Because it seems like the only way I can describe how you are living is Jesus Christ. Yep, that's Christianity. See, true godliness, again, as Ian Thomas says, leaves the world convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the only explanation for you is Jesus Christ. Is that true about you? Is it true in your life that, that your life is rather kind of mysterious outside of Jesus Christ? When you're down at your job or when you go to school, do people look at you and just say, I don't know how you can have that attitude. I don't know how you can live that way. How do you treat that individual that drives everybody else crazy with such love and kindness? It's Jesus. See, I want my life to be utterly inexplainable to the world around me. Now, I've quoted this quote, I don't know how many times, hundreds. I mean, probably well over a thousand times. And I'm going to give it to you again because it really is in my top three all-time favorite quotes. And it comes from this book, The Mystery of Godliness. Ian Thomas says this, the Christian life can be explained only in terms of Jesus Christ. And if your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, whether it be your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. See what Ian Thomas is saying is that when someone looks at your life, it should be indescribable. He, he goes on with that quote. He basically says, if how you live your life can be explained in terms of you, well, how good is that for your neighbor? In other words, your neighbors, the unchristian people around you can describe their life based on their effort, their talent, their wisdom, their ability, their whatever. And you're no different from them except that, well, you're quote unquote, a Christian It's your quote unquote hobby. But Ian Thomas kind of wraps that idea up and he says this. It has got to become obvious to others that the kind of life that you are living is not only highly commendable, but that it is beyond all human explanation. In a nutshell, this means that your fellow men must come convinced that the Lord Jesus Christ of whom you speak is the essential ingredient of the life that you live. See, is that true in your life? In fact, I've been rather convicted over the last couple of days. Is that true in my life? If if you were to look at my life, could you say, well, yeah, it's just Nathan. Or would you say, I don't know how to describe Nathan's life except Jesus. See, I want that said of each of us, that we are Christians because the essence of the Christian life is Christ himself. It's not religious activities. It's not religious duties. It's not showing up to church on Sundays, though those are all great things and we should be doing them, but they don't prove that we're Christians. We're Christians. Therefore we do them because we want to do them. We just can't help ourselves, but that's not the evidence of being a Christian. The evidence of being a Christian is Jesus. It is Christ himself living within us via his Holy spirit. Is that true in you? Well, as I just been reading through this book The Mystery of Godliness, it's just been a great fresh reminder that all of life is to be focused with the simplicity of Jesus Christ, that everything comes back to him. And what is the mystery of godliness? What what does it look like to actually live in godliness? Well, simply it's Jesus. <laughs> I know that seems so simple, but it is so hard I think for us in our modern day to live out. Perhaps it's been that perhaps it's been really hard for, for all all time. But the reality is, it is true. It does take God to be a man. Man, that is, as God intended man to be. See, we were created to be inhabited by God and for God. So let us not just go out and try to live out a Christian life. Let us run to Jesus Christ, embrace him, know him intimately, and allow him to be the essential ingredient of our lives. That is Christianity, because Christianity is Christ himself. Well, I hope that was just a fresh encouragement and reminder you to, do, to go after Jesus Christ and the time that we have left on this earth. And if you want a great book to read this summer, I would encourage you to read The Mystery of Godliness by Ian Thomas. Well, truth be told, I'd encourage you to read anything by Ian Thomas or listen to any of his sermons. In fact, uh, in the show notes for this episode, I'll give you a link to some of his books, my favorites, as well as some of my favorite sermons of Ian Thomas. They're actually I've actually played many of them on this podcast. But I love his simplistic devotion to Jesus Christ. His answer to every single question was Jesus. What is the great need for today? Ian Thomas would say, Jesus. What do I need in my life? Ian Thomas would say, it's simple, Jesus. So with that being in mind, can I just encourage you to go after with great intensity, but yet a simplicity of devotion after the one thing that means more than anything else in the entire world jesus christ well again thanks for listening to this episode of the deeper christian podcast for show notes of this episode including links to my favorite ian thomas books and messages please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 159 for episode 159 and until next time know i am cheering you on as you build your life around you'll never guess (laughs) jesus christ See you next time.